one of those things that isn't talked about enough in the freelancing space. I feel like everybody wants to know how to get clients, how to get clients, how to get clients, but we don't often talk about what to do when you get those clients and how to make them feel at peace with their decision. So I've got to admit that hiring other freelancers is both one of my favorite parts of running an online business and also one of the things that has taught me the most about delivering services for clients. I did a podcast episode all about what I learned from hiring freelancers a while back. I'll try to link it if I can find it, but I thought we were well overdue for a part two because I just had some things happen recently in my business that just kind of sparked this idea. So let's hop in. Okay, so a little bit of background. I work with about five to six freelancers on a monthly basis, like on average. It can definitely go up or down depending on what's going on in the business. And I have three long-term freelancers on my team. So people who work with me like every single month for the foreseeable future. And they range from like marketing people to video editors, to partnerships managers, to, you know, sometimes I'll hire copywriters and graphic designers. So that's just a little bit of background. So the first thing and what really sparked this episode today was I wanted to bring up the idea of when your clients go silent. And I will admit that I was guilty of this recently. I'm guilty of this a lot because I have a lot of things going on and we all do. I don't want to make an excuse for it, but I was thinking this thing in my head. I was like, I need to touch base with this particular freelancer because I haven't talked to them in a while. And I don't want them to think that like they're fired, that I'm, I'm revving up to fire them because I know when I was on the other side of things, if a client would just kind of disappear for a while, that there were so many thoughts that would go through my head. I would be like, oh my gosh, they can't afford me. They're done with me. You know, they're, they're ready to throw in the towel with this relationship. And really it's just that they're busy, like really and truly. The thing is business owners, particularly business owners that are running businesses, the size of hiring freelancers, right? Usually larger businesses. They're not just like small freelance businesses. They have a lot on their plate and it's more than just what meets the eye. Like for me, for example, you would just say like, oh, she does podcasts all the time. And you know, she can only film those, what, a couple times a week or whatever, or YouTube videos. But I mean, just the financials alone of managing five to six different freelancers every single month means I'm doing so much more bookkeeping. I'm doing invoicing. I'm paying invoices. I'm doing payroll. I'm budgeting and moving money around for taxes. I am, you know, doing all of these things just on the financial side, right? So imagine your clients that have like humongous, you know, multi-million dollar companies. They have days and weeks probably that are just dedicated to those more admin-y behind the scenes things. Just keep in mind that if you do not hear from your client, it doesn't mean that you're fired. But if you are feeling like you need a little bit more communication, do ask them for it. Like it's important to just be proactive. And if any of my team members were to say, Hey, you kind of like ghosted me. And I would really love to chat with you just to see how I'm doing. Make sure that I'm helping you be as efficient as possible. I would look at that as a sign of maturity and mutual respect. And I would absolutely give it to them. I would find a way to give them that time. And if I truly, truly just could not fit it into the schedule, I would you know, let them know that I'll get to you as soon as I possibly can. 
So yeah, be be open. If you need more interaction, if you need a gauge on how you're doing, be open about it. But usually it's just that they're busy, truly. And on that note, those ghosting times are actually usually a good time to upsell, if I'm being honest. If we're that busy, if your client is that busy that they can barely even reply to your email or reply to your Slack message or whatever, chances are they will purchase something from you, they will buy a service from you that is going to save them more time, that is going to make their jobs more efficient. So for example, if I hired a copywriter and they were working on blogs for me, they submitted blogs every single month via Google Drive and I was kind of ghosting. I was clearly very busy. If they were to say, hey, Latasha, for an extra, you know, $20 a blog post, I can actually upload them into Squarespace for you. Would that be helpful? Would that save you some time? I would jump on that, right? And even if I really couldn't afford it at that time, I would at least have that knowledge in the back of my head and say, hey, I can't afford it right now, but thank you for letting me know that that's within your skill set and that that's an available option for the future. I'll probably take you up on that with next year's budget. So do look for ways that you can be more efficient and that maybe you can help them a little bit more if if you have the time to be more um, helpful, I guess, and know that they probably will say yes to something that is going to make their lives easier in that moment if they're already that busy. The second thing I've learned is that disorganization can really cost you contracts and clients. I feel like this just is one of those things that isn't talked about enough in the freelancing space. I feel like everybody wants to know how to get clients, how to get clients, how to get clients, but we don't often talk about what to do when you get those clients and how to make them feel at peace with their decision, how to make sure that, you know, everything is going the way that it's supposed to be going. And this is one of the few things that has have definitely made me fire freelancers and stop working with them is where I, I hire them and I have like no idea what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm supposed to be giving them, what they're supposed to be giving me. I have no idea about timelines. I have no idea about communication. Am I contacting them enough? Too little. That's another thing about clients ghosting you is sometimes I just feel like I don't. I want to be conscious of my freelancer's time and I don't want to be like hitting them up all the time to talk and hang out. But if I know that they're fine with meetings, I'll put more on the calendar because I love to interact with them. So that's another thing. So keeping those processes top of mind is really important. Casual plug here, but the social media management toolbox is a little toolbox for social media managers. It's a bunch of different templates. And one of the things that's included in there, really anyone can use a lot of the documents, if I'm being honest, not just social media managers, but one of the the tools that's in there is a welcome kit and an onboarding kit. Those things are so important to just let your clients know, hey, here are my office hours. Here's who to contact. Here's how many times we're meeting each month. Here's the process and the workflow and the timeline and all of that. And something else, you would be surprised at how many people don't send invoices. And it's like mind blowing. I've had freelancers. I worked with a freelancer like a year and a half ago or something that would like never invoice me. And I would have to beg for my invoice. And the thing is real businesses that are hiring freelancers have real CFOs and real financial processes and real bookkeepers that don't like that. They don't like, you know, you getting an invoice one day on the 5th and then the next day on the 15th and then the next day on the 25th. And they're all for different amounts because, you know, some days there'll be 45 days in between an invoice and then some days there'll be 30 and then some days there'll be 15. Like it's 
mind-blowing how often that happens. So, you know, just make sure that you're scheduling your invoices to go out. You can use something as simple as a tool like Wave to just keep you on track and set up recurring invoices. Of course, my favorite is HoneyBook. HoneyBook, uh, I'll leave you a 50% off link if you want to get started. They're an all-in-one CRM, so you can invoice through there. You can send emails through there, send brochures, do so many things, questionnaires, onboarding questionnaires and surveys and things like that. But yeah, just making sure that you're really on top of that stuff really helps because it's really hard for me to budget and make the, the smartest decisions for my business when I'm getting like really random invoices, uh, you know, because I look at things monthly and say, okay, how much is labor each month? How much of revenue is that accounting for? And if like one month it's 20% and one month it's 10, it's really hard to like make smart decisions moving forward. The next thing I want to talk about is that there is a difference between confidence and arrogance. And I think this is just like true for anybody, but I've definitely experienced this. You know, I'm never mad at people who ask me how to do something. If they don't know how to do something, or even if they say, no, sorry, that's out of my wheelhouse, I don't know how to do that. But I do get mad when people say, oh yeah, totally, don't even worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And then next thing you know, there's a fire that I have to put out in my business. So yeah, actually come to think about it, I've never fired anybody, I've never let anyone go who was like, oh, sorry, like I can't do that, I don't know how to do that, or can you teach me how to do that? I would never, I'd be like, sure, I'll show you or no problem. I'll find somebody else to do this. But I definitely have let people go who have made major mistakes that could have been avoided because they tried to act too cool for school and like they could figure everything out. Now, there's a popular term in freelancing that says like, say yes and figure it out later or something like that. I agree with that to an extent. I agree with that if it's within your wheelhouse. If somebody says, hey, can you like launch a Snapchat ad. Well, listen, it's been a while since I've done that. I've only done like one Snapchat ad and that was back in corporate. So I know things have changed since then, but because I already have a little bit of familiarity with it and I have a lot of familiarity with all the other social platforms, ads platforms, I'm going to say, yes, I can totally do that and figure it out. I'll let you know if I have questions, but if somebody's going to ask me to do something like SEO, like, can you SEO optimize my website? The answer is no. I just don't have the experience in that discipline, and I'm not gonna lie to you and end up messing up your site's existing SEO just so I could get some more money and to not let you down. I also think this is just kind of like a general attitude thing too. Kind of my my gauge for this is like, think about how you react when somebody tells you how to do something. If, if somebody's like, oh, did you know that in Canva you can do drop text or whatever and outline the text like this? If you say, oh yeah, I knew, or oh wow, that's really cool, I didn't know that, thank you. That's the difference between confidence and arrogance, right? A confident person can understand that they don't know everything, that they're not the best at everything. Just be respectful and be a good person to work with. And a leader should be doing that too. Like your clients should absolutely be giving you that confidence versus arrogance mindset as well, in my opinion. But I guess we can't control them, can we? Okay, the next thing is outsourcing. I want to talk about outsourcing because I don't really want to say this. I know that this is kind of going to be unpopular, but outsourcing for me has kind of been questionable. And what I mean by this is if I hire little Peggy over here, I don't know anyone named Peggy. That's why I chose that name. Let's say that I hire little Peggy over here to, again, write some blog posts for me. And I think I'm working with Peggy. I do a discovery call with Peggy. Um, You know, 
and we're all good. We get along really well. She's really smart and I really like her writing style. She has experience that is in my area, you know, that I'm looking for the the content to be written about. And then next thing you know, I start getting blog posts submitted by Debbie and Susie and Kenny and all these other people. I'm going to be like, wait a second. It's a little bit weird. If you're going to have a team couple things. Be upfront about it. So talk about it on the discovery call. Hey, I work with so-and-so people. They're going to be handling your accounts as well. Blah, 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 blah. Or what I think is like a little bit better even is to brand yourself as a team. I think it's really confusing when you have like a personal brand, but then you have somebody else doing all of the work. Now, I am a personal brand and I do have a team, but I'm the one showing up on video. I'm the one teaching the courses. I'm like still delivering the end product to the people under this brand, if you will. Whereas my agency is an agency. So there are gonna be other people doing other things, but it's branded as such. So I think that's really important. I just, I think like the sneak outsource, I guess is what I'll call it, is confusing and I don't really think it's fair to the clients. So just be really open and, and upfront about how you work. It's okay if you work with the team. It's smart to work with the team. Obviously, I work with the team because, you know, I have work limits and, and income limits that I can reach when it's just myself. But it is important to be upfront about it and not just like sneak attack people and all of a sudden have random people doing random things. It's just, yes, I've had that happen and it's very weird. The last point I want to make is that we will pay, we will pay. Good clients. I hope I'm a good client. I don't know if I am, but I hope so. We will pay for people who we want to be on our team. I invest in people first, meaning if I have a good connection with somebody, if somebody has proven that they are a loyal person, that they're the type of person I want to surround myself with every day, that they're somebody that I can trust with my content, with my business, with things that are really important to me, with my clients' information, I will pay for that person whether they have all of the skills or not. I think so, so often I talk to freelancers who are like, like, well, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. Uh, You know, I need to take a course in this. I need to take a course in that. Of course, I want you to take courses. Of course, I want you to learn and grow and make sure that you're actually doing what you say you can do. But I also want you to focus on being a good person, being on time to meetings, controlling the things that you can control, right? Like being a trustworthy person, going the extra mile here and there and just making your client feel appreciated too. I've received amazing quality work from people who were rude, people who were demanding, people who were late to every meeting, people who like were just, you know, dry and and like you could tell they were just counting the hours and waiting for the moment they could be out of my presence. And then I've had like good but needs improvement work from people who were actively trying to learn, who were asking questions, who were hungry for knowledge, who were trustworthy, who were kind, who were nice to the rest of my team. And I would go with that second person and train them up, right? So that's something that I want you to keep in mind. I think we focus so, so much on skill and don't get me wrong, that's so important, but focus on being a professional Focus on being the type of person that you would want to work with because I'm telling you, clients will pay because they want to work with you, whether you have all the skills or not. 
So we'll go ahead and get into the Q&A in just a moment, but first let's talk about the social media management toolbox. I already mentioned it a little bit earlier, but one of my favorite documents in this toolbox is the client welcome kit. This is really important. Setting the tone for the client relationship can make or break the contract as a whole. So it's important to have things like your office hours, like your contact preferences, like the timeline and your workflow and all of those FAQs about payments and invoices and all of that handy in one document for your clients. So that is one of my favorite documents in the social media management toolbox, but it has about 15 other templates and documents in there as well. Some of the other templates that are included in the toolbox are a social media strategy template. So you can go ahead and plug things into there. There's a competitor analysis template as well as a content planner and much more. It's an essential tool, in my opinion, for any social media manager or aspiring social media manager. And it's been very highly rated by our students. So if you'd like to check it out, I'll leave a link down in the description and the show notes for you. All right. Today's question is a good one. I love this question. How do you store slash organize all of your work online? They mean, so this is something I don't know that I've ever really talked about, at least not in detail. So I do a couple things. First, I'll have a Google Drive folder for active clients. So if I'm working with social media management clients, then for coaching clients as well, when I did one-on-one coaching, I would have individual folders for those clients. So let's just say it's Bob, okay? Bob is like a company that I do their social media for. So I have a, a folder that says Bob in Google Drive. I also back this folder up on a hard drive, external hard drive. I always just buy these one terabyte ones. I'll link the ones that I use in the show notes. If you're curious, I just buy them on Amazon. They're pretty cheap and they've worked well for me so far. Now, once I'm done working with a client, I remove their Google Drive folder and I just keep it on the hard drive. I keep that for like a year. I think a year is my retention period. I always think it's helpful just to make sure, you know, if they need something, if they come back in three months or like, oh my gosh, you had, you know, this is these essential campaign details or whatever. I don't mind giving that stuff away. I think that just adds to the customer experience. Now, obviously there's limits to things and it depends on what you do. If you're a graphic designer or if you're, you know, giving the rights away to things or have totally different implications for you. So I'm talking like social content that I have no use for. So I will give it to them and retain it. But after a year, I usually purge my hard drives. This is also nice to have them for a while too, in case you want to pull anything for your portfolio. Of course, you'll want to make sure that it's okay to include them in that portfolio or have it written in your contract that you can use their work in your portfolio, but it's always good to, you know, keep it for a year or so just because I know I don't ever update my portfolio every month. It's definitely is like an annual thing. Now here's how the folders are usually organized. I'll have on my hard drive, I have a client's folder on my hard drive. Then I have the client name, Bob in this example. And then I usually have like three folders that are there automatically. Admin is where I'm going to keep like our contracts, invoice receipts, uh, anything like that. Any like admin type stuff. W9s, what are they called? 1099s. Why do I keep saying W9s? 1099s, tax forms, stuff like that. And then brand guide. So I usually have, if they supply me with a brand guide, so their colors, their fonts, copywriting styles, 
fantastic, but usually people don't. So I'm going to just create one for my own reference. I'll pull swatches of their colors. I'll pull their fonts and stuff. So I have it easily accessible. And then I usually have a content folder. So that's where like I'm actually creating the stuff. And then you can do subfolders as you need from there. But that's usually how I organize it. And then of course I can add other folders as needed, but those are kind of the three that are usually in each client folder. Okay, so let me know in the comments, have you ever hired a freelancer? And if so, do you resonate with any of the things that I just mentioned? Do you disagree with any of the things that I mentioned? It's totally okay as long as we disagree respectfully. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was helpful. I'll leave all those links that I mentioned down in the show notes and description box. I post a podcast every single Friday, so be sure to stay tuned for more and I will see you then. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Show notes for this episode are available at latashajames.com slash podcast and contain all of the links I may have mentioned today, as well as an invitation to join my private Facebook group, the Freelance Friday Podcast Community. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon.